Hey, you guys. Thanks for coming back to another episode. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to episode four. Yeah. We've made it to episode four. And so have we. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, you know, we have to do what we say we're going to do and talk about Halloween. I know you guys love Halloween just as much as we do. So it just feels right. Okay. So the other day I was thinking about movies that weren't Okay, so the other day I was thinking about movies that you could watch around Halloween time that weren't exactly about Halloween, but just kind of fit the Halloween vibe. So a movie I was thinking about is The Wizard of Oz. Oh, that's a really good one. Right? Seems pretty fucking Halloween-ish. Yeah, I would totally watch that around Halloween. Okay, so I have one. Spirited Away. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. That is. Definitely Halloween vibes. One of my favorite movies. So I've got another one, too. I was thinking about Ghost, the movie Ghost. Have you seen it? I haven't seen that one. (laughs) It has Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, and Whoopi Goldberg in it. And it's freaking definitely an awesome movie to watch. You guys should watch it for this Halloween. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So I have another one. How about Penelope? Ooh. Actually, we just watched Penelope the other day. I love that movie. It's such a good movie. Right? It's absolutely the definition of Halloween vibes. You can edit that out, please. <laughs> if you want to. Okay, so so another movie I came so another movie I thought would be really cool to watch around Halloween is The Labyrinth with David Bowie. Oh, The Labyrinth is so good. It is. Have you ever seen Pan's Labyrinth? Yes. Luckily, Isn't it awesome? Luckily, I haven't ever confused the two, um, but I've heard people that have that's strange because two different eras and they both that's strange because they're they're made in two different eras and they look different the cinematography is different too the plot's completely different one's about one's really dark and the other one's not as dark and it's more whimsical yeah true Mm -hmm. gotta love david bowie so i'm gonna go with gremlins okay I could see that one for sure. Technically, it's more of a Christmas movie because it happens on Christmas Eve. But I would say it's it, it would be considered under a not Halloween Halloween movie. Yeah. Dude, I absolutely agree with you on that. So I've got one more. And I was thinking maybe The Goonies would be a good movie to watch for Halloween, not Halloween. That is such a good idea. I don't know why that's not a Halloween tradition of mine. Sounds like it's time to make it one. I think so. And I have one more. Lay it on me. Have you ever seen Monsters vs. Aliens? Actually, I don't think so. It. I feel like it has everything. It, it has cryptids in it. I mean... There's, Sold. There's like the swamp monster in it. <laughs> there's... Is the skunk ape in it? No, I would. That would be great. I would watch that movie in a heartbeat. <laughs> but no, this lady turns into like a fifty-foot giant, and then starts crushing buildings, and then she gets kidnapped by the government and has to defeat aliens. It's wonderful. Sounds kind of dope. Yeah. Is it okay for a kid to watch? Oh yeah, it's a kids' movie. Oh shit. Okay, so <laughs> I will let Tallulah watch that. That sounds like kind of fun. It is. It's a really good one. Very Halloween vibes. Halloween, not Halloween? Halloween, not Halloween. (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) I just love that shit. 
Okay, so shall we move on to the episode, episode, episode? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) This episode is called The Bloodletting Werewolf from London. Ow! (laughs) Please excuse me for my howls. Can't help it. (laughs) So Kelly, what are you going to talk about? today what are you going to give us what kind of juicy stories can we sink our fangs into hey i see what you did there that's called foreshadowing (laughs) okay take it away kelly please okay so i'm talking about vampires if you didn't guess from that little hint so most people probably already know whoa so most people probably already know what i'm going to say I don't know anyone who doesn't know what vampires are. Hey, Kelly, what's a vampire? Well, let me get to it. (laughs) (laughs) Get to it now. I need to know. I've been living in a rock for 10 years. (laughs) For a thousand years. Vampires are actually in a lot of different cultures, and they each have their own little characteristics about them. Um, But the very common traits of a vampire is they're either undead or they're demonic and they either drink blood or psychic energy um in folklore they can be described as bloated purplish or dark in color blood is often blood is often dripping from its mouth and nose they would either be found in their coffin or in their burial dress with hair and nails that grow after death. I have a little note here that after death, so when you're a corpse, your soft tissue will shrink and it makes it appear that your hair and nails are longer. Oh shit. Mm-hmm. So the secret to ha- so the secret to hair growth and nail growth is to just become a vampire. Fuck prenatal vitamins. <laughs> We're becoming vampires now. The new beauty secret. Really? Corpses, all corpses do that. So you don't have Fudge! to. Fudge! <laughs> oh my God. That's fucking creepy to me. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, it is really creepy. Really anything involving death or dead bodies are, gets kind of creepy. I second that. That's some, that's some creepy shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, the original vampire folklore is said to have appeared in several different cultures in several different time periods. Vampires as we know it are said to have originated in Eastern Europe in the 17th and 18th century. But this belief but this belief has has existed in Slavic culture since the 9th century, but it's likely older than that. Damn, that was a really long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So long ago. It kind of shows how long humans have tried to have tried to attribute stuff that is beyond our understanding to something more supernatural. Yeah, I agree. It's really interesting to look at that way. To look at it that way. Wow, I can't talk today. I can't talk ever, so it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) You... You're excused. Just kidding. <laughs> don't put that in there. Kelly, when you're editing this, please don't put that in there. I'll Thank keep you. This is a note. 
this is a note to you. <laughs> I don't know what that She was. shrieks. I sure did. So, I am going to start talking about the great vampire epidemic. Okay, I'm, I'm super pumped about this. Let's go. Let's do this. Okay, so the epidemic started in the 1720s at around... Um, it started in the 1720s in Serbia. Okay. So, local... Local Petar. So, this started in... The Great Vampire Epidemic started in the 1720s. Or at least it was recorded to have started in the 1720s in Serbia. So, one of the locals... Petar Blagojevic knocked on his wife's door and demanded she hand over his shoes. The problem was, this was 10 weeks after he died. You know, I feel like I've heard this before. It's a pretty common story. Um, I know it was reported by newspapers at the time, and this got a lot of um, this got a lot of almost credibility behind it. So, this is all the account that the panicked villagers related to a military representative within days of Blackojevic's reported reappearance. Eight villagers died of short, brutal illnesses. Supposedly, Blackojevic crept into their homes at night laid on top of them, and crushed the breath from their lungs, thus sealing their fate. After a heated debate, the whole town... After a heated debate... After a heated debate, the whole town of Kisilovia decided to march to the graveyard and dig up... March to the graveyard and dig up Blagojevich's body. According to the amazed military representative, there was not the slightest smell of death. The face, hands, and also feet, the whole body, were so whole that they, in his lifetime, could not have been more complete. And here comes the scariest bit. In his mouth, I did see fresh blood, which, after the general opinion... In his mouth, I did see fresh blood, which, after the general opinion, he had sucked from those killed by him. Okay, this guy really sucks. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I would not want to be a person that lived in this town whatsoever. Not going to happen. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of this small, poor town was afflicted by illness and i think a lot of because there's a lot of stories like this where the townsfolk get ill and one of the one of the per one of the persons one of the people who died of this illness they'll dig up all their graves and whichever one looks like they're not decomposing they'll basically try to destroy the body and they'll mark them as a vampire 
Just kind of like for good faith of the land type of thing. Yeah. Like keeping to, the soil clean. Right. Well, not just keep the soil clean, but they'll try to kill the vampire so he doesn't basically give another this illness to anyone else. Yeah. So he doesn't like resurrect and be like, oh, I'm going to kill the town. Kind of like this Blue, Blue Goyevich guy. Right. Right. Does he, So he doesn't come back up and start drinking people's blood. Right. So if the town was inflicted by, like, disease and stuff, is it possible that this dude was putting them out of their misery? Is that a possibility? Is he a good guy? Like, why am I painting him to be a good guy? Because vampires are not good guys. To be perfectly honest, I think a lot of these vampire accounts are people just not understanding basic biology. I think a lot of these corpses, they don't understand what happens at decomposition. And they're digging them up very early after they're starting to decompose. So it looks like mm-hmm. their hair is growing and it looks like there's fresh blood on them. Right. And they look kind of reddish when it's just their body bloating. You know yeah. what I mean? Yes, I do. And it's kind of the same thing along the lines with like blood around the mouth and nose. That's actually kind of common with... Um, like tuberculosis and stuff like that, right? Well... Or any kind of lung disease. It can, but just a general corpse anyway with the bloating that can happen. Yeah. Especially because back then I assume they didn't have Emmys and they didn't have people who cleaned up corpses and they just kind of, you know, put them in their, what, you know, just kind of put them in their coffins and yeah, stuff. they just put them in a box. And I'll get into some of the theories that are behind vampires and why people attributed stuff to being vampires but i'll get into that in a little bit okay cool okay so i do have another story so a few years after this blagojevich blagojevich incident there was a highwayman named arnold pale who was entertaining the locals in his central in his central ser- in his central Serbian village with tall tales about a Turkish va- a Turkish vampire he'd known. The vampire had bitten him, he claimed, but he'd taken precautions against infection by eating dirt from the vampire's grave. Okay, what the fuck? Does this go into detail as to why he did this? Um, Seriously, I need to know. I don't think so. I think it was just someone probably did bite him. That... There is no doubt in my mind. <laughs> that, Some old rabid human was like, I'm going to eat that skin. Right. Um, and actually, I'll go into some of the diseases that people link up to vampirism. And rabies is one of them. Gotcha. <laughs> so it, he could have been bitten by someone who had rabies. That's very oh, possible. Okay. Um, but... So he gets bitten by a vampire, and that was Turkish. Um, he said he take he had taken precautions against the infection from eating dirt from this Turkish guy's grave. It's not really a smart thing, I don't think. I that wouldn't be my first leap in logic, at least. Yeah, I wouldn't think so either. <laughs> he was obviously challenged, and no, I don't want to say that. He was obviously not in his right mind. No. I don't think he was either. Um, in 
I don't think you would be surprised, despite his efforts. His untimely death in a farming accident led to him rising from the grave as a vampire. Okay, what? What? Yep. So, didn't die by disease or infection. Got off in a, in a uh, farming accident, okay? I don't know what accident <laughs> it happened. Could be goats. I don't know. But... We don't know what had happened right. at all. Um, so, he started rising from the grave. He went on a killing spree that was even deadlier than Blagojevich, with more than two dozen people dying within just a few months. Okay, wow. <laughs> That's weird. I, I don't know what to say to that. I'm just like, a lot of... Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. He, he did that. He, he killed those people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as with Blagojevich, the villagers doodily dug up his body in the apparently recomposed pail was gasping as they drove a stake through his heart, which was probably just air being released from his lungs. Yeah, because like, you know, that's yeah, because modern medicine tells us that. Yeah, that's how corpses work. That's how decomposition works. Yeah. And again, this is not uncommon for people not to know what, how corpses decomposed. Yeah, well, you're right. Just like them being uneducated, not knowing. They're just not being like the scientific evidence they need to understand what's happening, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So I have two diseases that were largely responsible for the deaths during this period. Pellagra and rabies. Okay. I've heard of rabies. I haven't heard of pellagra. Okay. So, pellagra is a disease caused by an imbalance of niacin, B3, basically, in tryptophan. Oh, where did it go? Okay. It can cause a variety of symptoms, including sensitivity to light, leading to a corpse-like appearance to the skin, foul breath, anemia, several, and several other symptoms that link with vampiric lore. The trait of foul breath, for example, is believed to have derived from the experiences of this disease in Eastern Europe at the time. Uh, rabies, however, which was also an epidemic at this time, is a virus that existed in Eastern Europe before the 18th century. Though though information concerning though information concerning earlier time periods is scarce, we likely possess a wealth of data from the period of the Great Vampire Epidemic that links rabies to a large number of deaths in Eastern Europe, where vampire hysteria was particularly strong. Several hundred cases of disease of the disease were recorded, spread initially by rabid wolves, and then in at least some cases people. The wolf and the vampire have a well-known link, as being creature, as being a creature of vampire, as being a creature that vampires can change into. But further, the disease is spread through biting. Victims avoid sunlight, and they can be repelled by strong odors, garlic being a possibility. 
Yeah, I think we all kind of know the whole garlic story. Kind of sheds a little, kind of sheds a little bit more light on on the garlic situation. For yeah, because sure. that shit is pugnant. It is, and it's a weird thing. I've always thought it was weird that vampires wanted to avoid garlic. Yeah. So in that regard, it makes a lot of sense. But also, like, garlic just smells so fucking good. It, it does. really do. Oh, yeah. I love garlic. I'll put garlic in everything. It says two cloves in a recipe. I put, I put minimum 10. <laughs> okay. Dang. <laughs> okay. I have another story of the vampire epidemic. Okay. So I do have another story with the... of. I do have another story of the great vampire epidemic. This one is called Mercy Brown Vampire Incident of 1892. So we're over 150 years past. Okay. Or we're over 150 years past the last couple that I told. And I believe this is in a different region, too. It started with Mercy Brown's mother, Mary Eliza who's the first to die of consum- first to die of consumption or TB followed by her older sister Mary Olive in 1886 in 1919 in 1891 Mercy passed away from the disease and her brother Edwin contracted it rumors spread that it had to be that someone in the family was a vampire for Edwin for Edwin to contract it. George Brown, the father, gave permission for people to exhume the bodies. They checked everyone's corpse. Mercy. Mercy was the only one that showed no signs of decomposition, still had blood in her heart. As superstition dictated, Mercy's heart and liver were burnt, and the ashes were mixed with water to create a tonic that was given to the sick Edwin to drink. Okay, that's some next level shit right there. Are you drinking the ashes of your sister or brother who has passed? Are you doing that? Would you do that, Kelly? I don't think so. I don't think... There's... Okay, have you seen that lady on... What is it called? My Strange Addiction? Yes, I have. She ate her husband's ashes. Good lord. Lady. Now, I don't want to shame you for your strange addiction. But, yeah, that's a very strange addiction. (laughs) Yeah. But also, also, she's probably not a strange person. She probably lost the love of her life and didn't know how to deal with it, so she consumed his ashes. No big deal. Yeah. I mean, people have done worse things. Oh, yeah. Oh, people have absolutely done worse things. But that's more of a morally gray area, I feel like. I wouldn't do that. So, you want to know what happened to Edwin? Um, I thought that was the end of this. um, I thought that was the end of the story. I didn't realize there was more, but yes, please. I need to know for sure. Well, I'll tell you what happened. So, he drank this drink, this concoction... As an effort to resolve his illness and stop the influence of the undead, 
He died two months later. Did that stuff make him even more sick? <laughs> he was probably so sick with TB. I, I doubt he would have even noticed. Yeah, probably not. Because, well, like, is- TB's a, consumption's an awful illness. Yeah, I bet. Uh, poor, oh, sorry. poor guy. Oh, uh, what remained of, why am I, why am I? <laughs> Whatever, no, Kelly, no one can see you, just me. I know, I know, but I don't know, anyway. What remained of Mercy's body was buried in the cemetery of the Baptist Church in Exeter after being desecrated. Okay. So, her body was parts of her body was mutilated and burned and then they buried her in a baptist church cemetery oh fuck yep okay that shit was wicked that shit was just way too crazy the stuff they did to bodies back then is insane because now in the 21st century you respect the body of a dead person like it's it's back then you did too i mean that was the reason why they buried the dead was to preserve the body so especially in like christian lore is so you would be resurrected um so being desecrated was like a very like that person did something really bad so so did you say something about catholicism is that what um you said uh, I just no. said I think I just said Christian. Okay, because I said Baptist, maybe. Yeah, she was buried in a Baptist church. Because I know in Catholicism, or, if you're if you're super super bad, or they think that your spirit or soul is unholy, they do requiems for you. They they sing for you in the church for hours just to give your soul the like, what's the word? Just to help your soul get into heaven. Hmm. I don't know if that's like. Uh, I don't know if that's like in Baptist people or whatever but please take that out (laughs) okay don't add that in there uh i think i also said it was buried in a baptist church it was buried in the cemetery of a baptist church so there's not a dead body in the baptist church in exeter so okay um so i'm gonna go on um i'm gonna talk about how people in folklore became vampires Mm -hmm. so you probably know the major one being bitten by being bitten by a vampire. Yeah. Classic. Can't go wrong. You can also become a vampire by sorcery. Improper burials. Okay. If you were a witch before you died, or if you weren't an Orthodox Christian. In some instances in folklore it's contagious. A cat jumping over a person's corpse. Okay, what? Uh-huh. Cats just don't know sometimes, man. That ain't right. Yeah, what? Was it a vampire cat? It might be a <laughs> vampire cat. Why just a cat? That's my I question. Know. Could be a witch's familiar, too. Oh, maybe. Maybe they're like, this body's mine. <laughs> this is my witch, bitch. <laughs> Back off. Okay. <laughs> Um, babies born with teeth were also considered to be vampires. Which, also in the 21st century, we understand that that is a condition that's, that has nothing to do with vampirism. Is that how you would say that? Yeah, vampirism. I think so. Yeah. 
I think that's a good term. Uh, vam- vampires. Babies born on Christmas are also considered to be vampires. I know several people born on Christmas. I know. Next time I meet someone who is born on Christmas, I'm going to tell them this. One theory was babies born between Christmas and Epiphany, which is Three Kings Day. Honestly, I have never heard of this Christian holiday. I know Three Kings Day, but I... Like, I've heard of Three Kings Day, but I have no idea when it is. Um, I actually have it written down. It's... (laughs) Depending on what you believe, it's either one of two days. It's January 6th or January 19th, which is a long time for babies to be born between uh, Christmas and January 19th. So all those babies would be vampire babies. I'm sorry, why though? Why? Can you answer that for me? Just like, Um, why do they think that? I think it's considered a sacred holiday and those days are considered sacred so any babies being born between those days are unholy think about all the babies that died because women tried to push their babies back up inside them like oh hell no my baby's not being born in this day or i mean i'm sure none of them could really help it if the babies were born yeah um like i've never had a kid but you you probably know that's not something you can stop absolutely it No, as someone who has actually had a baby, you cannot stop labor. It comes whether you want it to or not. Mm-hmm. I think what I meant by them trying to push the babies back is that trying to hold it in as long as they possibly could, damaging the baby in some way. I could I could see somebody potentially doing that to save their reputation in the life of their children. Yeah. There were, honestly, I feel bad for babies born... I feel bad for babies born 18th century or sooner because there wasn't good health care. I mean, like, I don't think it was even common to wash babies and to clean them up after birth until, like, 1900s, right? Or early, or somewhere in the 1800s. I don't know the date. It, I, it was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I guess I never really thought about it. Yeah. Being a spoiled, like, 20, 20th century, 21st century kid person. Yeah, I think it was, um, I think washing babies was one of the first ways they realized germs were a thing. I believe that's one of the first stories. Interesting. Also, in southern Russia, people who were, people who were known to talk to themselves were believed to be at risk of becoming vampires. Does it say, like, what year that is? Um, not really. It, it, from right. what I found, it was just a common belief Literally, in Southern that's Russia. Literally, half the people on the streets right now. Yeah, that's me. That's so, myself. yeah, uh-huh. you know, Albert Einstein's Albert Einstein said that people who talk to themselves is like a sign of genius, right? It's like how you regulate your feelings and emotions and like where you're yeah. going, right? Yeah. Anyone gonna protest me on that one? But I guess in southern Russia, at least back in the day, (laughs) (laughs) you were a vampire. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So I have... So I have a list of 
vampire-like creatures in other cultures, and there are so many. I didn't even get halfway through the list uh, with what I wrote down, but I'm just going to name a few. So in Mesopotamia, Lilithu, who is synonymous with Lilith, was considered to be a demon who is often depicted subsisting on the blood of babies. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Oh, yeah. Like the, I, the new one. Mm-hmm. There's a demon in it who takes over hell, and her name is Lilith. She's the demon baby chick. The queen of demons, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I love uh, the chilling tales of Sabrina, I oh, think. Oh, sorry. Is... Give me a sec. My belly. <sighs> Do you need a sec? No, I'm good. Okay. Okay, so in ancient Greece, Impusa, who was known to shapeshift into a woman or beast that would seduce men and drink their blood, and uh, Lamia, who ate babies, and there was Streaks, um, which is very similar to the ancient Roman Streak. Um, they have the body of a bird. And they fed on flesh and blood. All of these creatures were all undead. Sounds hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ancient India. There was Vitalis, a ghoul-like being that inhabited corpses and were associated with modern... And these are associated with modern-day vampirism because they hang upside down on trees... Um, found in cremation grounds and cemeteries. That's weird. Like a bat. That's pretty dope and mm-hmm. weird and strange. It is. Mm-hmm. So in Albania... Okay, so I play this game called The Witcher, and this is kind of <laughs> where the tale comes from. Um, if you've ever played The Witcher or have seen it, there's this creature called the Striga, and mm-hmm. it's a vampire-like creature. Comes Creature. from Albania. <laughs> Is that the like toss a coin to the Witcher type situation? I've never seen it, but I heard people like talk about it. Yeah, that's a song in it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cultured. Uh, so Strika is a vampiric witch in traditional Albanian folklore that sucks the blood of infants at night while they sleep, then turns into a flying insect, traditionally a moth, a fly, or a bee. Only the striga herself could cure those she had drained. The striga is often pictured as a woman with hateful stare, sometimes wearing a cape, and a horribly disfigured face. So in Albanian folklore, there is also the dampier. Uh, the dampier literally is translated to tooth drinker. And in association with Balkan folklore, it means... The vampire son, so the offspring of a vampire. And there's a lot in depth with that, too, but I'm not going to get into it. Okay. Um, so, Romanian, there's the Moroi. So, in Romanian, there's the Moroi, which are dead people leaving the grave to draw energy from the living. Okay, in Romanian, uh, 
Romanian folklore, there are two types of strigoi. There are live strigoi, which are described as living witches with two hearts or souls, sometimes both. Live strigoi were said to have the ability to send out their souls at night to meet with other strigoi and consume the blood of livestock and neighbors. Similarly, similarly dead, strigoi, dead strigoi were described as reanimated corpses that also suck blood and attack their living families. Rude. That's just rude, man. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mom, let me suck your neck. <laughs> not gonna happen don't care how thirsty i am for blood no not thank you no fucking thank you <laughs> <laughs> so writing off the romanian legend i was just talking about our romanian folklore there is one romanian folk or romanian legend on how to find a vampire I thought this one was weird, but kind of interesting. So you need a seven-year-old boy and a white horse. That's very specific. (laughs) Very specific. The boy needs to be dressed in white, placed upon the horse, and set loose in a graveyard at midday. So around noon-ish, okay? Excuse me. Okay. (laughs) So... You watch the horse watch the horse wander around and whichever grave is nearest to the horse when it finally stops is a vampire's grave. Unless it starts eating something, then it's probably there was something edible there. Yeah, like it's grazing. Right. That is so weird. I'm sorry. I don't understand it. I don't understand That's it either. That's just so strange. That's one I found on the internet in as we know the internet is always right. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's always right about all of my medical conditions. I feel like I have. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> thank you, WebMD. Yes, thank you, WebMD. That's what I meant. Don't put Wikipedia in there. I meant WebMD. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, WebMD, for always diagnosing me correctly and accurately. I'm dying, by the way. They're the real MVP. <laughs> yes. Okay, so there's a couple ways to destroy vampires. To protect vampires, or vampires, to protect the survivors and ward off the effects of consumption. Bodies of those who had died of the disease were exhumed and examined. The corpse would, the corpse was deemed to be feeding on the living if it was determined to be unusually fresh, especially if the heart or the other or other organs contained liquid blood. Again, the culprit was identified. There were a number of proposed ways to stop the attacks. The most benign of these were simply to turn the body over in its grave. In other cases, in other cases, families would burn the fresh organs and rebury the body. Occasionally, the body would be decapitated. Affected family members would also inhale smoke of the burn of the burned organs or consume the ashes in a further attempt to cure the consumption. Decapitation and dismemberment was popular, wooden stake through the heart, or a gravedigger's spade. Silver was supposed to burn vampires, 
and sunlight and burning with fire were also really popular. Gotcha. Yeah. I know the stake through the heart one and stuff and the silver bullet to the heart or yeah, those are, whatever it was. Yeah, those are all pretty, pretty popular, especially in pop culture. Yeah, very iconic for sure. Oh, something they also did is they would nail down coffins to make sure the vampire didn't escape. Yeah. That's trippy, man. Yeah, it's really weird what people used to do. Yeah, it is. So Um, strange and so creepy. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. Weird, but I love it. So I'm just going to... So, to end off my little story, I'm going to talk about vampires in literature and pop culture. Sounds fantastic. Okay. So, I'm going to miss a lot because there are so many, but I'm just going to say a few of the big ones. There's, of course, Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. um, Interview with a Vampire by Anne Rice, Salem, Salem's Lot by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Nosferatu, A Symphony of Horror, which was a 1922 silent film. Black and white, and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I remember that one for sure. So there was Carmilla by Joseph Sheridan. And if you don't know, it's a story narrated by a young woman, preyed upon by a female vampire named Carmilla, who was later... Anyway. Uh... It's basically a lesbian vampire romance that was written 26 years before Dracula. I'm sorry, that's hot. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's amazing. I would love to get my hands on this book. Mm-hmm. But you did say it was a book, right? Yeah, a book it's a book. A movie? Okay. Yeah. I don't think it's... A, it might be a movie. I, don't, I know it's a book for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's a Twilight series. Who doesn't know? Twilight. Yeah. So, there's another book series called The Southern Vampire Mysteries, or the True Blood series. It's also a TV show. Yeah, you gotta love True Blood. So, he's <laughs> house. Yeah, I like the later episodes. I'm not a fan of the earlier episodes of it. I've only seen the first... I've only seen, like, the first season, maybe part of the second. So, I'm not, you know... Although I do like True Blood, I haven't seen enough to, like, say if I love it or not. Yeah, that's understandable. And it's kind of hard to get into, at least at first. It was for me. Okay, so there's Lost Boys. Good movie. Great mm-hmm. movie. Vampirina. <laughs> My daughter loves Vampirina, so I absolutely know. So I absolutely have seen Vampirina before. It's kind of cute. I'm not going to lie. It's adorable. In that show, she, so in that show, she can turn into a, uh, so in the show, she can turn into a bat, and then she flaps her wings around, and she says, oh, no, I'm going batty. So she calls it having the baddies. Aw, that's it's cute. A, say that again. Oh, that's cute. Aw, that's cute. Yeah, sometimes Tallulah will say that. Like, I'm going batty. And it's absolutely endearing and adorable and cute. I love that I have a child that's just as spooky and creepy as I am, who loves witches and all the good stuff. She is definitely your kid. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Best compliment I've ever had as a mother. Thank you. (laughs) So there's Blade, 
dark shadows. I said Lost Boys, right? Yeah, I think I said Lost Boys. And there's Sesame Street. Can't forget Count Von Count. Yeah. One. Ah, 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 ah. Two. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I remember from when I was a kid, and I'm pretty sure my child remembers being a kid. I'm an, and, I'm pre- and I'm pretty sure my child has seen it also. She loves Sesame Street, too. Oh, probably. I'm sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it for me. Wait, you know what I was just remembering? What I was just thinking about is it's that time of the year when they put out the fun cereals and stuff. <gasps> Count Chocula. I saw that in Target this... Uh, I saw that in Target last week. I haven't tried it in my life, but maybe it's time to. Maybe this is a new leaf. Yeah. Go get yourself some, some, uh, yeah, go get yourself some stuff. No. Oh, yeah, go get yourself some, because they only, yeah, you should go get yourself some, because they only bring it out one time a year. I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of cereal, do you put milk in the bowl first, or do you put cereal in the bowl first? Cereal? I'm not a psychopath. Some people claim to put milk first in the cereal, like... I'm sorry, what the fuck? Not trying to shame anyone here, but tell me why. I don't understand it. But you don't know how much milk to put in it without putting the cereal in it. But like, honestly, I have no idea why people do this. You guys, if you are one of these people that puts milk in the bowl first before their cereal, please email us at crazyhexyghoul at gmail.com and please tell us why you do this. We really genuinely want to know. We want to understand because it's relevant in the world. <laughs> Understanding people is important. These are the important questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing about vampires. There was quite a bit I didn't know, and I'm glad that I know now. Education is important. Yay! I'm good. So, when I was researching vampires, there was a lot of stuff that intersected with werewolves. And I don't think you can really talk about vampires without talking about werewolves. Yeah, I guess I didn't really... Yeah, I guess I really didn't understand how closely related they truly were. Saying that, let's get into it. Board now. I'm going to open up my thing. Okay. Okay, so starting out, okay, so the werewolf in European folklore is a man who turns into a wolf at night and devours animals, people, or corpses, but then he returns home, but then he returns to his human form by day. Did that make sense? Yeah. Some werewolves change shape at will. Others, in whom the condition is hereditary, are acquired by having been bitten by a werewolf. The wounds will show in his human form, and may lead to his, de- and may lead to his detection. Belief in werewolves, belief in werewolves, is found throughout the world. The psychiatric condition in which a person, in which a person believes he is a wolf, is called 
lycanthropy lycanthropy (laughs) is called lycanthropy in countries in which wolves are not common the monsters may assume the form of another dangerous animal such as a bear a tiger or a hyena that's weird i didn't know that in french folklore the werewolf is called the loup garou (laughs) is that how you say that loup garou yeah in French folklore, the werewolf is called the loup garou. I am horrible at French. I'm so sorry. You Fran- pronounce it, sorry, but you pronounce that pretty well. Hell, yes. France was particularly afflicted with reports with reports of them in the 16th century, and there were many notable convictions and executions of loup garou. <laughs> Please edit that out. Of loup garou. I sound so white. I sound so American saying that. I feel like such an American saying that. As a subject for the 20th century horror films, the werewolf tradition is second only to the vampire tradition in popularity. Werewolves? Werewolves are believed to turn into vampires after death. Folklorist Carol Rose notes that in ancient that in ancient Greece it was believed that a person could be transformed by eating the meat of a wolf that had been mixed with that of a human and that that condition was irreversible centuries later other meth- other methods were said to create werewolves including being cursed or being conceived under a new moon or by having eaten certain herbs or by sleeping under the full moon on a friday weird <laughs> We should test. We we should test this out. Um, <laughs> I'm not having children, so that is all on you. No, not that. But by sleeping under the full moon <laughs> on Fridays, um, we can't procreate. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm already pregnant, so you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I totally misunderstood what you were saying. Okay, let's go back. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding, moving on. Okay, it says, or by sleeping under the full moon on a Friday, or by drinking the water that has been touched by a wolf. It was also widely believed that werewolves could dress in a special protective wolf skin, though they had to though they had to remove it at daybreak and hide it. Oh, kind of like um what is it called? The Beowulf? Uh, no, it's a type of it's a type of uh, lore, legend that uh, like they take off their seal skin when mm-hmm. they come on to land, and whoever steals whatever man steals their skin, mm-hmm. um, basically get to keep them forever. Um, oh, I've heard of this. This is so strange. Let me go back to my notes real quick. It was also widely believed that werewolves could dress in a special protective skin, and it was though protective wolf skin, though they had to remove it at daybreak and hide it. If their magical pelt was found and taken from the werewolf in human form, he or she could be killed. 
So like their protective armor, just like you said with a selkie. Yeah. I know you're going to add that in, so. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. <clears throat> okay, so things like, okay, hold on. Some scholars believe that werewolves made it that some scholars believe that the werewolf made its debut in the Epic of Gilgamesh, the oldest known Western prose, when Gilgamesh Gilgamesh jilted a potential lover because she had turned her previous mate into a wolf. Which I'll tell you more about that in a second. Don't add that. Werewolves made werewolves made another early appearance in Greek mythology with the legend of Lycon, Lycon, L-Y-C-A-O-N. I don't know how to say that. Do you Lycan? know how to say Go. I'm ready to go. Okay. Let's do this. We finna get this done. Werewolves made, werewolves made another early appearance in Greek mythology with the legend of Lycon. King Lycon was the first werewolf, and he ruled over the land of Arcadia. His palace was filled with gold, fine foods, and elaborate artwork. An elaborate artwork. But there was one thing he did not have, and that was love. One, one day, King Lycon was hunting in the forest, and he came upon a small lake. As he approached, he saw a lady sitting at the edge of the lake, and she was singing a song. Sorry. Her name was Fortuna. Fortuna? Fortuna? Yeah, that sounds about right. She told him she was distressed. Oops, my bad. She told him she was distressed because she feared that she would never find a man to love. She explained to him that her father was too hard to please. She explained to him that her father was too hard to please and he would not and he would not grant permission and he would not grant permission for her to marry anyone. He offered to marry her because no one would deny the king or so he thought. He asks he asks her who her father is, and she tells him it's Jupiter, the king of gods. So King Lycon explains, no, so King Lycon exclaims and vows to make him a huge feast to try and win him over. Let me try that again. So King Lycon exclaims and vows to make him a huge feast to try and win him over. The king agrees. The king, the king agreed to host him for seven days. The king agreed to host him for seven days in the palace. Jupiter arrived on a cloud dressed in his best purple robes. Jupiter arrived on a cloud dressed in his best purple robe. Each day, the king would try to engage the god and impress him. Each day, the king would try to engage the god and impress him with his wealth. He gave Jupiter great gifts of furs and perfumes. But Jupiter, but Jupiter offered no more than a simple thank you. If King Lycon had one flaw, it was his temper. When he was pushed, it didn't take very much to set him off. Jupiter knew of Lycon's temper and didn't believe he was a good match for his daughter. 
In order to push the king past his limits, Jupiter insulted the king's mortality. The king's mortality. He laughed at how puny and finite the king's life was. Sorry. In retaliation, the king told his head cook to prepare a steak of human flesh, but to make it appear very appetizing. In that way, he could get back. Then he could get back at Jupiter by tricking him into eating this unclean meal. To eating this unclean meal. Fortuna was out of... Fortuna was... Is that how you say it? Probably. Fortuna was out at the market when the king had his next meal with Jupiter. Fortuna was out at the market when the king had his next meal with Jupiter. The cook served the meal as usual, but Jupiter immediately recognized the ruse. You have insulted me by trying to bring me down to the man. You have insulted me. Oh, wait. Jupiter said, Jupiter, you have insulted me by trying to bring me down to man's level. In return, I will bring you down a level. I will bring you down a level. For you will roam the world in the form of a for you will roam the world in the form of a wolf this day forward. This day forward. You have my permission to marry my daughter, but I doubt she'll want to know that she shit, sorry. But I doubt she'll want to know. But I doubt she'll want to now. No. But I doubt she'll want you now. She Why can't I read that? Sorry, give me a sec. You have permission to marry my daughter, but I doubt she'll want to now that she ha- that sh- that she can see the beast you truly are. Then Jupiter vanished to the heavens. <clears throat> King Lycon was horrified at what had become, and he ran to his bedchambers. Luckily, Jupiter's wife Juno. Luckily, Jupiter's wife Juno was watching. Yes, I'll do whatever. Just please free me from this wretched form, said Lycon. Said the king Lycon. Juno transformed. Juno transformed King King Lycon back into a human, but warned him that whenever he lost his temper, he would turn back into a wolf and that he would not return to human form until he calmed down. With Jupiter's blessing, Fortuna and Lycon, and Lycon were married and lived together happily for a few years. Until one day, Fortuna insisted that Lycon apologize to her father. Apologize to her father. Lycon became Lycon became enraged and suddenly shifted into a wolf. Fortuna was horrified to. St- Fortuna was horrified to discover his curse and finally believed that the king Lycon was a monster. She fled from she fled from Lycon's kingdom. And then she fled from Lycon's kingdom. Little did she know that she was already with child. Little did she know she was already with child and that she was already with child. Little did she know that she was already with child. The very first the very first werewolf child. That was a good story. <laughs> and also, she named the... And also, she named the... 
And also she named her child Ash. So it was Ash the little werewolf child. Aww. I know, it's so sweet and cute. That was a really good story. Thank you, I didn't write it. (laughs) (laughs) Was that Neptune was the... Was it Jupiter was the Lycon married, right? What was her dad's name? So Jupiter is the god of kings, and that was Fortuna's father. Fortuna was the... Okay. Yes. Okay. She was the wife of Lycon, King Lycon. Okay. So Jupiter seems like such an asshole. (laughs) Absolutely. Like Zeus-level asshole. Oh, yeah. He shows up at the king's house wearing his full garb, like full on. In the story, it actually says that in the story, it actually says that Jupiter's that Jupiter's clothing, like his robes, were way more were way were way more. What's the word? Were way more extravagant than the palace's self. He just rolled up gold encrusted and just was like, hello, head to toe. Most expensive jewels. All he's wearing is jewels. Yeah. And this motherfucker rolled up on a cloud and was like, what's up? (laughs) You need to prove to me that you can marry my daughter, that you can provide for her. So, yep. That's the first story of the werewolf that has been. Yep. That's the first story that I could find of the first werewolf and the first werewolf. And the first werewolf baby. That joke kind of came back on him. (laughs) Because now his grandchild is a werewolf. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so just some fun tidbits about werewolves throughout cinematic history. We've got stuff like... So, there was a movie. Hold on. So, okay. I'm trying to figure out how to do this. So we talked about that. Alright, so I'm going to... Okay, so I'm going to talk about stuff. Okay, so I'm going to talk about... Okay, so I'm going to talk about pop culture when it comes to werewolves. You know, there's you know, there's a lot of pop culture when it comes to vampires. There's obviously the second there's obviously stuff about fuck, forget it. <laughs> okay, so just some fun tidbits about werewolves. There've been a lot of movies and books written about werewolves, obviously. <laughs> so <laughs> No. Yes. <laughs> Vampire werewolf, that's how it goes. Hence why we're doing this together. Yeah. So, so in 1941, there was a movie called The Wolfman by Lon Chaney Jr. Yep. If you actually look at the Wolfman like picture, you'll look at it and be like, "Oh shit, yeah. It's like very iconic." Okay, in 1993, R.L. Stein wrote a book called The Werewolf of Fever Swamp, and it was about a guy named, it was about a 12-year-old boy named William Blake, odd. Uh, they called him Will. No, let me try that again. Okay, so in 1993, R.L. Stein was on the scene. If you didn't read an R.L. Stein book, were you even a kid? Like, really, honestly, were you? <laughs> Did you have a happy childhood? No. <laughs> I mean, it was like 50-50. Now, now, like, as an adult, it wasn't that bad. It, it, I don't know. I've suppressed it all, I guess. I don't know. So, in 1993, R.L. Stein wrote a book called The Werewolf of Fever Swamp. 
And strange thing, he wrote 14 books about werewolves. I think he might have had an obsession with werewolves. Yeah, I think he wrote some books about vampires, too. I don't know how many, but he has over 200 books. Girl, I didn't even look to see about the vampire books. Oh, no, I didn't either. <laughs> I know he has. It's in one of the episodes of um, of the Goosebumps series, the TV show. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure the werewolf at Fever Swamp, I'm pretty sure that's an episode on Goosebumps as well. It is. It's an episode, a book, and a movie. It's... Yeah, it's all three. It's been stiff. Okay. So the werewolf in Fever Swamp is about a 12-year-old kid named Will Blake. And the kid is living in the... Hold on. So in the Goosebumps... Okay, so the 1993... So Goosebumps... So R.L. Stein, R.L. Stein wrote wrote a book called The Werewolf of Fever Swamp in 1993. And it was William Blake is the main antagonist in the book. And he was a 12-year-old boy living in Fever Swamp. And at some point prior to the events of the book, he became cursed by Lincothop. How do you say it? Lycanthropy? He was he became cursed with lycanthropy. While in the form of a werewolf, Will terrorized Fever Swamp, preying on local animals. Interesting. Mm-hmm. In 1992, Daniel Oz Osborne from Buffy the Vampire by and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, played by Seth Green. Uh, he was a friend of Buffy, and he portrayed. He ultimately, so on that show, he was a werewolf, and he had to control his inner wolf. In 1984, Scott Howard. Why does this suck? And. Give me a second. I'm getting through. Okay. So in 1984, the movie came out called Teen Wolf. The main character is Scott Howard, played by. Played by Michael J. Fox. So iconic. (laughs) Very iconic. Is it lycanthropy? Mm-hmm. In the film, lycanthropy is inherited is inherited at Scott's father. Is inherited by Scott's father, who is also a werewolf. Would it be inherited from Scott's father? Okay, that's yes. In the film, lycanthropy is inherited. <laughs> In the film. Scott has inherited lycanthropy from his father, who is also a werewolf. I loved that movie as a kid. Have you ever seen it? I I think I've seen it once. It's been a couple years. It's been a couple years, so but I've I have seen it in the past. It's like it's iconic though. So he's it on is. top of like the moving vehicle. Like so he's on top of the bus. No. Yeah, he's on top of that van, and he's, like, going down the street, and he's, like, yeah, he's, like, riding on top as a fucking werewolf, like a <laughs> boss. And then, as you mentioned earlier, there's the, and as you mentioned earlier, there's the well-known Twilight book series, but in the, but in the, but in the movie New Moon, which came out in 2009, there was obviously Jacob Black, who was a werewolf. He was a shapeshifter. Which he inherited from his his tribe and his family. I forgot the names like Koala something. 
Okay, so sorry to stop you right there. Are you Team Edward or Team Jacob? Or neither? Um. Well, you know, okay, so Edward was designed to lure people in. Like, that's part of his charm. Mm-hmm. To kill people. Yeah. So I think physically, if I was just like walking around, if I, if I were Bella, let's say, and I came, if I, and I met Edward, I would probably be attracted to him because he's fucking hot. Okay. Like he's just a hottie. But I don't know. There's something about indigenous boys with long hair that just like really, really, really get me. So I'm team Jacob. Sorry. I kind of am. You know, <laughs> that whole wolf thing. I totally get Team Jacob. You know, growing up, I think I was a little bit Team Edward. Then as I grew older, I was Team Jacob. Now that I'm 27, (laughs) I am Team Bella's father. (laughs) Like, he's a responsible adult. (laughs) He, he has, uh, he like actually cares about his daughter and tries to, and it's the adult basically or tries to become the adult that she hasn't had and he's got a good dad bod not gonna lie he's cute his little mustache is super cute yeah (laughs) not bad chief swan give me a call (laughs) call it up okay so sorry my leg hurts okay so we've gone through movies let's go through music Okay, so we've talked about movies about werewolves and stuff. Let's talk about music and werewolves. Hit me with your best shot. Please don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) That song, look, if you were not born around that time. I'm sorry, please don't sing that song to me. Please, please delete that. (laughs) Okay, so just some, just some fun songs throughout history. We have Tragically Hip, and it's called, we have the song by Tragically Hip called, there's the song by Tragically Hip called I'm a Werewolf Baby. And then iconically, we have CCR Bad Moon Rising. We all knew that one. And then there's the band Styx. They have a song called Witch Wolf. And the most iconic werewolf song, which is what we named, which is where we get part of our, which is where we got part of our episode title. Which is where we got part of our episode title is Werewolves of London by Warren Zevon. Pretty dope. Nice Halloween classic for all of us. Aww. (laughs) Also, while doing some research, I came across this cute little comic and it's called Adventures into Darkness. It's um, a Golden Age mini comic series that ran for 10 issues from August 1952 to 1954. It's like the DC comics and stuff. Oh, okay. It's, and I, you know, I love, I love all the stuff. I love the cover art for, I love the cover art for like 50s B-rated movies and stuff like that and comics because they're just so outlandish and like very dramatic and I'm like, it makes me like want to watch it and read anything with the cover. Mm -hmm. I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but the covers are doing it for me. (laughs) You know, I do that all the time. I know you shouldn't, but <laughs> I do, so. We learned nothing as kids. <laughs> <laughs> so on the cover of these, uh, so on the cover of Adventures into Darkness, 
it's it reads we dare you to take these adventures into darkness it's kind of cute and the cover and on the lower left side of the cover it says flowers on deborah's grave (laughs) it's just adorable (laughs) i want to read it so if anyone knows where to get this so if anyone knows where to get this please send it to me or like i don't know send me a copy because i want to read it i want to read it Okay, so I know you took. Okay, so I know you talked a little bit about how to kill, how to kill a uh, how to kill a vampire. Very similar in how to kill a werewolf. How to kill a werewolf? You use a silver bullet straight to the heart, or you just remove the heart or the head, and that can do it as well. So very similar. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. <laughs> just break that neck. <laughs> just just you know squeeze that neck like you'd be squeezing a lemon i don't know <laughs> okay so so there was a lot of content when it came to werewolves obviously you know because you did vampires and vampires are technically more popular than werewolves so it was pretty hard i mean so just cramping as much as i possibly could i apologize there weren't a lot of stories but uh I don't know. (laughs) So I think that's it for this week. So I think that's it for this week. What do you think, Kelly? Yeah, I think that's all I have. Do you want to end off with a uh, 10 ways how to tell if you're a vampire? So I have a little fun thing, fun little quiz to do at the end of our episode. I love fun stuff. Me too. I love those like BuzzFeed quizzes and stuff. This is from LA mm. Times. Okay. Um, it's 10 ways to tell if you're a vampire. That sounds fun. I always wondered if I was a vampire or not. Well, you get to find out today. Yay! I'm going to put it on my resume. <laughs> Number one, are you a nocturnal person and dislike daylight? Absolutely. I prefer night to day. Yeah. I like both, but I prefer night to day. I'm a night shift worker, so I will hiss at the daylight. <laughs> the sun is my enemy. Right? I was also born at night, so I don't know if, like, that makes me a night owl or not. So. Oh, okay. Well, that's one and one for both, right? Yeah. Okay. Number two. Are you a loner and tend to be secretive? Hmm. Well, yes and no. I'm part Scorpio, part Virgo, part Cancer. So, yeah, I would say I got a lot of secrets. But I do like people sometimes. Not all the time, though. I would say I'm kind of a loner, but I don't really keep secrets. Very, well, I'll keep other people's secrets, not my own. I'll tell anyone and everyone <laughs> who will listen. So, uh, one and a half for me. Is that one and a half for you? Yes. That's just one for me. So that's two for me. Okay. That's not a half point for me. I I consider those both to be... I I consider... I have two points. Okay. Number three. Do you naturally look younger than you are? Oh, hell yes. That's... Nobody even guesses my age, and I love it. That's another one for you. Not really so much for me. (laughs) But, but Kelly, you're also really young, so that one doesn't apply to you. (laughs) Eh. So, I got one and a half. You got three. (laughs) Okay, number... It's it's looking promising, for sure. Yeah. 
Number four. Are you supermodel thin and pale? Why can't th- <laughs> what? Why can't there be thick with two C's vampires? She, boy, thick boy. That's me. I'm thick. Mm-hmm. I'm the opposite. So three points for me. I'm not a supermodel. I'm five three and I'm thick as fuck. So <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah, I'm not supermodel thin either. So no. Uh, that's one and a half. Three for you. Um. Are we on five? Five. Do you have elongated canine teeth? I do not. Kelly does. I have a little bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so two for me, three for you, right? Yep. Six. Do you have the need to drink blood anywhere from two drops <laughs> to a couple of ounces daily? Which no. usually comes from a cooperative giver. Absolutely not. Not in a billion years. No, sorry. Not not for me. Yeah, me either. So just one and a half for me. No, you have two. You have two points, Skelly. You really don't want to be a vampire, or do you? Or two and a half. I guess not. Um, being sure. immortal would be kind of nice, though. Okay. I do have two and a half. I think we're at eight. Seven? Mm-hmm. Do you have legal access to blood via a job at a hospital or a blood bank? I do work in a hospital, but I don't work close to the blood bank. Yeah, me either. I don't have access to it, so there's a no on that so, one. So, no. Do you have a strong interest in vampirology? Not really. I find it interesting, but I'm not... I don't think so. No. I do. I'll put three and a half for me. I mean, I was interested enough to look up all that history about it, so (laughs) I'll count it. Okay, so you're half more of a vampire than I am thus far. Yeah. Do you have a voracious appetite for rare meat and an aversion to garlic? Absolutely not. I love garlic, and I do not like my steaks rare at all. I'm pretty sure my blood is just garlic. (laughs) That's all that's flowing through my veins. Your heart's just one giant clove. (laughs) (laughs) It's a couple giant cloves. Excuse you. (laughs) You got that two-chamber clove heart. Yeah, do. Four-chamber clove heart. Okay. (laughs) The heart has four chambers. Just two. Why? Why? Okay, this is number 10. We're almost done. Do you almost always dress in black? Okay, I dress in black every... Fo- Look, I am wearing black head to toe right now. Even my sandals are black. Um, I don't always dress in black, but I dress in black a lot of the time. So I'm going to go with a yeah on that one. Half point or full point? Full point. No hesitation. Full point. So it's four and a half for me. How many for you? Four for me, four and a half for you. Okay. I'm a little bit more of a vampire than you. <laughs> yeah. Was that out of 10? Yeah, that was out of 10. Okay, so it's safe to say that we don't even mark... It's safe to say that we don't even hit the halfway mark. So we're not really vampires. We're just... We have a vampire... Hab- we have vampire habits. Maybe we're like the... Maybe some of our ancestors were vampires. I don't know. If I had to decide for myself if I was a vampire or a werewolf... I think I would be more of a werewolf than a vampire. Yeah. That's just me. 
That's fair. I guess that wraps up the show for today. I guess it does. You guys, we had a great time talking about all the spooky stuff. I live for this. I love it. Love it. Makes me so happy. Me too. Well, I can't wait to... I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Mm -hmm. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.